Hey, this is Steve Thompson, and today we're continuing on in Paul's encouragement to the Corinthian church to share generously with brothers and sisters in Christ that they've never met. Their hearts were stirred, and they pledged to give to this relief fund a while ago, but now it's time to actually pony up and write that check as Paul sends an envoy through their region to collect their gifts and then take them on to Jerusalem for the people who are suffering through a famine. So here is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. But thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. We are also sending another brother with Titus, All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. We are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We're careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable We are also sending with them another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. He is now even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches and they bring honor to Christ. So show them your love and prove to all the churches that are boasting about you is justified. Paul here is being so careful to guard the integrity of Jesus and how he's dealing with this community. First of all, when you mess with people's money, you are always messing with the chief rival God to our God, most high God, Yahweh. So to ask for people to be generous, to part with the thing that most often gives us meaning, security, purpose, pleasure, and sac- and then ask us to sacrifice it is when you risk the greatest chance of people just walking away. So Paul knows that he's asking for something big here, which is why he spends so much time and energy with it. And then all the more, if he were to get caught mishandling those funds, it would be all over. If there's even a whiff of impropriety, that somehow Paul is getting a cut of these funds or that the people coming through to collect them might use those funds somehow on themselves and that all of it wouldn't reach its intended recipients, then they're just toast. And the name of Jesus would carry no weight at all. So Paul needs the Corinthians to know that these men that he's sending are top-notch, peer-certified, everyone thinks highly of them. I mean, he's saying to them, you already know and love Titus. You can trust him, and he's looking forward to getting together with you. These other two guys, (laughs) I find it a little intriguing that Paul actually wouldn't say their names. Uh, It seems like that would help their credibility, but I don't know. Maybe he's trying to protect them from something in this public letter. I just don't know. Either way, he says everyone over here in Macedonia knows them, loves them, and trusts them, and you will too. Trust me, Paul says. Because if this transaction goes south, this young Jesus movement in Corinth is done. It kind of feels like we're in a similar moment here in the United States. 
I mean, this isn't a young movement, the following Jesus movement, but we're in a place where the church has a massive credibility problem and it's giving Jesus a bad name. Maybe it's simply the access to news and information that's just so instantaneous and it's so universal that it just seems all too common. But we keep hearing about Christian leaders in the church having moral failings that completely discredit them. We've had leaders who have mishandled funds or outright bilked their ministry for millions. We see sex relationships outside of the expected faithful monogamy within marriage and celibacy outside of marriage. We hear about misuse of power where people are being bullied, manipulated, or gaslit by their senior leaders. And then we have spiritual leaders getting into bed with political parties and political leaders on both sides of that continuum, by the way, as if Jesus plays by this world's power rules and dynamics. And we've completely lost our prophetic voice to the power structures. So we have a credibility problem. And when I first read this passage uh, of what Paul is uh, pumping up Titus to these Corinthians, I was like, you know what? I actually haven't read Paul's letter to Titus in a while. And I was remembering, isn't there, isn't that where Paul is adamant about the qualifications of leaders within the faith family? And doesn't he use the word above approach? And sure enough, I flip over to the letter to Titus, this short three-chapter letter. And right there in the first chapter, the predominant character quality repeated twice is an elder, a church leader, must have a blameless life. And it feels like we have a problem in leadership. And if there's a problem there, then it's certainly going to trickle down and be amplified in the culture of that faith family. And if the culture has a lack of accountability and character development problems, then the mission is just altogether pointless. It's an afterthought. It's shot. No one wants to be a part of that movement, no matter how much we point to Jesus. I'd like to wrap up our meditation and my reflections on this short passage with some thoughts that I recently heard from author John Mark Comer, and he shared these in a podcast I was listening to. Uh, His most recent book actually is on spiritual formation or malformation of followers of Jesus. And so this is totally a paraphrase of his thoughts based on my memory of the conversation, but here are his ideas. We have a massive understanding within American Christianity that we can somehow be a Christian without being a disciple or a follower of Jesus. Yes, there's an initial invitation to come and follow and believe, but that invitation has layers of meaning and significance that will ultimately end in come and die. Come, pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. Come and have your life shaped by dying to self and living for and in Christ. The invitation to come follow is to have our lives ultimately shaped by Jesus, his character, his posture, his agenda, his words, ways, and works. Anything less than that is problematic. Yes, there will be hypocrites in the church. We're human. However, leaders must be models of transformation, unquestioned humility and integrity, which simply means we're the same in private when no one is looking 
as we are anywhere else. Here's the thing. Young leaders in the Jesus movement in the first century were automatic targets. When you're trying to discredit or disqualify or cancel or smear of movement, movement, then you take out its leaders, either in reputation or you literally eliminate them. You kill them. So there's a huge potential cost and threat when going down this road of following Jesus in that early first century. Now, the challenges to our young leaders are screens, the digital age and social media, loneliness and isolation and individualism, an unsustainable pace of hurry and business, ideological idolatry on both the left and the right that gets blended with allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom, and then power dynamics that are all un-Jesus-like. The only antidote to malformation is intentional practices of spiritual formation in the way of Jesus. We have to learn to slow down, put away our screens or have limits on them, seek and participate in deep relational connection, open up our personal and corporate finances to accountability with each other, and spend intentional time in solitude and silence, seeking the Father and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now back to me. (laughs) I'm a leader in this particular faith family. And right off the bat, you have a right to ask any and all of this from me. And I am happy to show you my imperfect attempts at these practices. But also, while my practices of these disciplines are far from where I want them to be, I also want to invite you to join me in pursuing Jesus in the same way. If you're listening to this and you maybe have just enough of Jesus to make you feel good about where you're at, then I would submit that Jesus doesn't have all of you. But if you're interested in pursuing more of Jesus and his kingdom and realizing that it's going to cost, cost more of your time, your attention, your money, your energy, your priorities, your comfort, then let's team up and go for it. Because I'm not there yet, but I want to be. Jesus, forgive us for we, where we have misrepresented you, for where we have given you a black eye and a bad image as your followers. Lord, forgive us. We want more of you, and we are willing to do what it takes to follow you. Jesus, would you meet us in this place? Would you challenge us? Would you purify us? Would you empower us? Would you equip us? We need you. We need more of you. And we are willing to do what it takes to pursue you. So, Father, hear our cry that we might be Titus's and his companions that represent you. Thank you. Be glorified in who we are as your faith family. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>